0: Welcome to the Creativity Conference podcast. Here we explore the essence of creativity in all its forms. Our conversation runs in the build-up to our free Creativity Conference that will be running from the 22nd to the 24th of January. We hope to expand your mind, spirit and creative horizons. My name is Abby, and I will be speaking with our conference director, Maxim Jago, on his daily creative philosophies. We look forward to diving in with you. Hi Maxim. Today we will be discussing with our listeners our music string and how music is manifested as a creative art form. So our speakers in the string will be exploring concepts of the groove and the immersion method. So with that, let's dive into the questions. So, how have you inspired your creative self this week?
1: It's interesting, isn't it? Because we're all under lockdown at the moment and somehow being under lockdown we've got to maintain our inspiration and our energy and for me Pretty much all of my creative focus this week has been on the conference on the creativity conference Which we are running from Friday next week Friday the 22nd uh, at the time of recording at least and It's been fascinating working with so many different creatives to help them get into a position where they feel happy and confident and ready to present. And each of them brings their own challenges. Uh, they all bring their own uh, reservations and concerns about how they're going to do this thing of sharing their insight with people. But essentially, their concerns are rooted in, in a much more fundamental issue, which is to do with successful communication and successful connection. Mm-hmm. And when you, see th- mm-hmm. when you see it that way, You realize that, oh, hang on a second, yeah, there's all this diversity, all this variation in what they want, but ultimately the underlying need is universal the need to connect, the need to be understood, the need to express yourself. These are absolutely universal needs. And so the trick is to read between the lines in their requests and find out, okay, wait a minute, you know, you hear these things about rock stars that. They have what they call riders, and a rider is the set of things that must be done for them when they go to a venue to perform. And the joke is that some of them are really long and very specific, like, you know, there have to be just blue M&Ms in a bowl, and there has to be flowers of a particular kind in the green room. And so we don't have any of that, thankfully. All of our speakers have been really, really great. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but but yeah. seeing their needs has been really interesting and I think that for me has been my creative mm. process this week I haven't I haven't worked on a personal creative project but I did manage to get a little bit of time in gaming and that was great um, lots of meaningless <laughs> violence which is brilliant <laughs> it's a great release
0: absolutely <laughs> we've definitely found a lot of connection during a time when it seems like there is none Uh, Today actually we're celebrating our music string. So I want to raise the point of start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. So our music panel is discussing how music tells your heart to feel and speakers for the Creativity Conference are going to explore, demonstrate and deconstruct this powerful experiential medium. So I wanted to ask you, Maxim, uh, what talks under the music string in the conference are you most looking forward to?
1: Uh, is it cheating if I just say all of them? <laughs> I mean they're all amazing, and the panel's going to be fascinating, you know, just hearing uh, musicians you know they tend to be really feeling people and and in you know people have tend towards a particular uh, a particular sense in their imaginations and in their thinking. and in the West we tend to be visually orientated, and that means that our, our thinking tends to be visual. We tend to, uh, we tend to think in pictures and and so on. But uh, sometimes you get clusters of senses. So musicians naturally are often, their auditory, their primary sense is auditory. So if you ask them to imagine a scenario, they'll begin by imagining the sound of that scenario. But people who have a focus on, on their auditory uh, sense often mm-hmm. also have a strong connection with their kinesthetic sense. Mm-hmm. And they feel in their bodies the music. And I, th- I just think that's fantastic and I wanna mm-hmm. hear what our speakers have to say about that in the panels. But then, you know, you look at, um, I mean, Alex Hummingson, she's gonna be speaking, uh, her talk is The Devil May Care, but she's talking about the, the amazing range of experience that she has as a professional singer. Uh, she has qualifications and uh, I think she has a master's in musicology and she's, mm-hmm. she is a, a genius uh, with her voice as an instrument in particular and hearing about the construction of music and how impactful it is is gonna be amazing. Mm. Ethan Gold, uh, my goodness, uh, you know, he's just a very profound thinker and hearing what he has to say about music which is just utterly spiritual but, but brought down to the ground, you know, it's a spiritual experience that he's, he's sharing and talking about that personal growth through music is just, just wonderful. Sarah Gillespie, uh, you know, such a breadth of experience as a singer-songwriter and how you can uh, how you can construct music that appeals to a broad range of people she's you know multi award winning uh, performer dan clark i mean dan clark is just you could write books about him plural uh, dan is uh, hopefully going to be presenting our day 3 keynote and and really closing off the whole uh, summarizing the entire conference for us he's an absolute genius pure and simple one of his bits of genius on the list is that he's, a, he's got multiple gold discs as a songwriter and he's going to be talking about thinking musically and, and how, how impactful that can be. Uh, Alberto, um, I've, who I've known for years, another genius, talking about finding your groove and when we were speaking about his presentation he was, he was explaining this concept of finding your groove in the same way that people talk about finding a, st- a state of flow You know, this flow state, this sense of presence, this sense of being here now. But he's actually offering practical, specific ways to work with that state of flow and identifying it as a groove that you feel and that you're in. You're either there or you're not. You have to be ready to walk away. It's going to be amazing. Patrick Cannell, who is my go-to composer for film production, another genius. Patrick's somebody that you can give three notes to as a motif. And he'll say, oh, let's take that to the 11th or something, (laughs) it's like he's got extra (laughs) fingers. You watch him playing the piano. It's it's like, how do you get that many notes to come? It doesn't make any sense. Mm. He's gonna be talking about literally how do you build a soundtrack for a film, what do you do to explore the themes and the motifs and turn it into something meaningful? Mm. Uh, we're just very fortunate to have this amazing list of people contributing, mm. and I think um, I think they're going to be some of the most. Old, so I've just listed all of them. Right? <laughs> like the, oh, and of course, I I missed, uh, I missed one. John uh, John Thomas Dodds, right, yes. who's going to be talking about. I mean, this is a person who's a, a teacher with extraordinary experience, yeah. who's going to be looking at this this conflict between structured and improvised mm. musical practice which of course translates directly into day-to-day experience mm. how do we plan our lives or allow for uh, random adventures amazing
0: absolutely it will be such an energizing experience and i think i'm really looking forward to the speakers so so topic dan whitehouse and pasha orleans foley the, the talks are going to provide such a range so definitely be sure to check them out and uh, Actually, earlier, Maxim, you and I were talking about uh, your experience with the piano growing up. I just thought, yeah, if you could explore that again. Yeah.
1: Well, it's interesting because, yeah, so, you know, the thing about music as a filmmaker, the thing about music is that it, it tells the audience how to feel. It doesn't, just, it doesn't just inspire feelings. It doesn't just inform their feelings. You have no control when you listen to a piece <laughs> of music. You will feel what it makes you feel. And it's a bit like that language thing. You know, if I say, think of a a multicolored chicken, you and everybody listening, everybody is now visualizing a multicolored chicken and there's nothing you can do about it because you can't stop yourself thinking about a multicolored (laughs) chicken until you've thought about it so that you can decide not to think about that thing. So words are incredibly powerful and poets know this. You know, all forms of writers know this. But music goes one step further because you, you literally experience the feeling that the music gives you, whether you want to or not, you will feel it. Fast music will speed your heart rate up. It has a biological impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, slow music will slow your heart rate down. It can impact blood pressure and all sorts of things, your circadian rhythm. But when I was a kid, I had a very difficult time when I was a kid. I was bullied really badly at school. In fact, so much that twice I was offered to move to another school. And I had a really tough time uh, that ultimately yielded great gifts. You know, it really helped me to understand and 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 mm-hmm. gave me empathy, and so I'm grateful for those gifts. But wow, that was a that was a really tough time. And I went through a phase where actually it was a, it's it, the short version of the story is that I had two therapy sessions at school, and one of the sessions, the therapist said, "Well, you know, the reason the kids are bullying you like this is because you react so strongly. You're showing you your feelings, so just don't." show your feelings and I remember vividly at 12 years old thinking well that's pretty good logic okay and I remember saying I just said okay and didn't show another emotion to anyone under any circumstances for any reason for the next three years and you know if I got hurt water would come out of my eyes I couldn't stop that happening but you wouldn't see me cry nothing at all what an idiot as a therapist. children are so mutable so flexible so ready to change and he presented me with—he uh, didn't present me with an alternative. He just said, "Don't show your feelings." Oh, okay, that's a thing I can do. And what he could have done is presented me with a way to express my feelings that was more helpful. Anyway, we had a piano at home. Um, my mum was really keen on us having instruments and creativity in the home. You know, I was raised by artists, and so I would wait until everyone was out of the house, and I would play the piano. And playing the piano was my emotional expression. That's how I would get my feelings out of my system. And it went on. We had a, at my school at that age there was a, a hall in the middle of the school with a lovely grand piano in it, and I would I got permission to go in there and during mm-hmm. the breaks and, and lunch times I would go in and and just play the piano, and and it was just a beautiful way for me to release my feelings and and feel that state of flow. And of course, in time, uh, I, I found out that people got into the habit of listening, but they would sit outside the hall and listen to me play, which I, I always thought must have been very boring for them because my music was really repetitive and I wasn't that skilled. Uh, but then gradually people would come in and chat with me and I'd play the piano and we'd talk about dream analysis. And, you know, I was that guy and people, we would just talk about philosophy. So for me... A musical instrument was, if you like, a path out of the darkness into the light emotionally. It was a way for me to mm. to express feelings and in expressing them to allow myself to feel them. And we had this problem that we feel everything that we do is judged by ourselves, by others. We're trying to make sure we fit in and that we're, our behavior is acceptable, that we're you know, socialized. Yeah, we, we treat ourselves really badly and we beat ourselves up a lot. And we make this mistake in thinking that somehow we have to explain or or justify or rationalize the feelings that we have. And that's not true. Your feelings are a thing that you experience. What you do about your feelings, how you interpret them, how you regard them, how you explore and review them, that's up to you. All of that is a type of action that you can justify and explain and, and whatever. But the feelings that you have are experiences that don't require any explanation or justification or defending. There's nothing to you. you, It's like saying, Oh, I, I apologize for having a cold. You know, it's a thing happening to you or I'm in a warm room and I feel warm and somehow I shouldn't. Well, no, you're in a warm room and feeling warm is what you feel. And I think a lot of people, and this does connect back to art and creativity, but I think a lot of people feel that somehow if they don't have a simple explanation for their feelings, that those feelings are somehow unacceptable and should be hidden or re- rejected. They should somehow resist them. And the thing about feelings is that it's like a you know, it's like a potato in your hand. It's not gonna go away by you, you know, putting it in your pocket isn't going to get rid of it. It's still there and it will stay there until you digest it or you know, do something with it or get it out of your system. You have to put it somewhere. Perhaps potato is not the be- <laughs> best example. But you know, there's an energy. Well, you know, say in the universe, energy doesn't go away, it just it just changes form and your emotions are like that. They will sit there and you know this because you could have a childhood memory that you've never resolved and you don't think about it, it doesn't come up to, you, to your thoughts and then one day you'll hear a piece of music or you'll, you'll, somebody will say a, f- a certain <laughs> phrase or, or even you could be walking down the street and the light and the architecture is just exactly what it was 10 years ago when you had this experience. Boom, you're straight back. The emotion's the same. You get the same intensity. You get the physiological reaction. Your heart rate changes. Your adrenaline goes. You're remembering this experience that you had. It doesn't go away. And the question is whether you want it or not. And if you want it and you see that feeling as part of you, then there it is. And that's, that's usually what people default to. But if you don't want that reaction, could be negative, could be positive, but if it's a reaction you don't want, it's not going to go away because you ignore it. It's going to go away because you embrace it. And the thing about fear and pain uh, and emotional pain and suffering is that those feelings are not the thing. They are signposts to the thing so if you're upset about something you know emotionally it's usually because of some kind of boundary transgression the upset isn't the thing the boundary transgression was Mm -hmm. the thing and the upset is telling you what boundary was transgressed it's telling you this bad thing happened to you and the natural consequence is that you have these bad feelings so look at the thing that happened examine it and very often all you need to do is think clearly and peacefully yeah (laughs) <laughs> that was a bad thing and it did hurt and I disapprove of that thing and then somehow the energy's gone you've you've released it you've acknowledged it fully and I think that that creativity for many artists is that addressing right it's the acknowledgement it's the recognition that this is a thing right. and it and the <laughs> art whether it's a painting look at the work of Jackson Pollock you know this it's just emotion on the canvas look at uh Goodness, was it, um, uh, I, I always forget if it's Dali or Picasso um, mm. that that said, you know, I paint it as it actually is. And so what you get, uh, I, I think it was, I'm going to get it the wrong way around. I think it's Dali and, um, uh, you know, is talking about, well, this is how I perceive a person and that's what I'm expressing. And so, you know, For many artists, I don't want to use the word therapy, I think for many artists it's a way of coming to reality. And in doing so, you address those emotional experiences that you have had and you grow through them with the aid of the medium of your artistic form. And music is a phenomenal example of that. You hear a piece of music and just set you off in the right way. And allow you to be at a certain, people these days are very often using this word frequency it started come up in the 70s people were talking about energy and frequency and levels of, of spiritual awakening or, or a psychological development but there is a certain mode that one is in and that mode attracts certain experiences and rejects certain experiences you become observant of certain experiences and you you, you start to become blind to certain experiences. So the classic example is if you think the world is a violent world, you will see examples of violence everywhere. And, and if you think the world is a loving world, you'll see examples of people being loving everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's to do with the precognitive processing of your brain. Your mind is looking for evidence that supports the outlook you already have. Mm-hmm. And so the more you focus on what you want, the more you get of what you want. You become whatever you think about. So a psychologist friend of mine used to say, you are not what you think you are, you are what you think. And so by choosing what you think about, you shape what you are. It's absolutely profound and beautiful. So working with music, mm-hmm. and you know there's various forms of therapy that use different frequencies, there's binaural beats, there's all sorts of technologies now working with this. But musicians, I think, are those explorers. They're exploring the realm of feeling. So it's a pretty exciting topic.
0: Well, that was a wonderful psychoanalytic journey through manifesting emotion. It definitely brought to mind Descartes's cogito ergo sum. Yes. I think, therefore, I am. And with that, our phrase of the week is, are you asking yourself the right questions? I, I would love to ask you, Maxim, do you think in expressing the creative self, it's about asking the right questions?
1: Yes, I do think it's about asking the right questions. But I think that, you know, the best, the best communicators are phenomenal listeners. And because in order for you to communicate, you have to understand the way that the listener hears or sees or perceives. So, so it is, I think, when we're trying to come up with the right questions to ask, it's crucial that we're able to truly receive the answers. Because if you ask a question and you're unwilling to hear the answer, you what was the point of the question in the first place but if you ask a question let's say for example um, let's say the question is how can I how can I make an angry painting that's the question how can I express anger in a painting and so you come up with an answer which is whatever the colors and shapes and forms that for you trigger Uh, Feelings of anger you can't cause a feeling in another person, but you can trigger it so but maybe it's not quite right and You have to be ready to really take in the answers that you get without judgment uh, with as little preconceived uh, Pre-analysis as possible and be in the old sense of the world childlike in order to perceive without filters The answer that you got. And then with that answer, you can ask another question. And the questions that you ask become more and more precise. And the questions begin to reveal a need. Because, you know, if you have a question, you you ought to ask yourself, why do I have that question? Why am I asking this question right now? You know, I I do a lot of mentoring for newcomers to various industries, but a lot in the film industry. And uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot of unhelpful mentorship that you get. You go to networking events, and and uh, you get these people who are really just looking for validation of of how important they are, and they really take your time because mm-hmm. because what they're looking for is is validation and adoration from newcomers. So they say a lot of stuff to be impressive, but they're not actually going to help you. They're just they're just there to seek mm-hmm. their own. Uh, fulfillment of their own insecurity that they're looking to reassure themselves and very often the advice that they give is not very helpful and so one of the bits of advice I give to newcomers to any industry and it's good life advice I think is when somebody gives you a piece of advice ask yourself this question why would this person say (laughs) this to me now (laughs) Now there's a lot to unpack in that question. Why would this person say, you could say that, why would this person say that to me now? And you need to unpack it and it really helps you to intentionally and actively digest their advice. So for example, uh, you're thinking, so why would this person, well who is that person really? Uh, Say that thing. What did they actually say? Not what you imagine they said, but what what words did they actually use? What did they actually say to you? To me, well, they don't know me. It's impossible. I barely know myself. So who do they think I am? Who do I think they think I am? What's their perception of me? And why now? Rather than at any other time So, you know, if you have a family whether it's adoptive or biological one of the great things about family, if you have a healthy relationships with your family members, is that unlike almost any other person that you'll ever meet, they have no agenda but your happiness. And so they're really great people to speak to about things because they may not have qualifications and whatever, but they know pretty well what makes you happy. And they know if you look happy. And they can tell you if you don't look happy. But when you say that question, why would this person, who are they, why would this person say that particular thing? to who they think I am at this moment. Nine times out of 10, you'll realize, actually, that advice wasn't particularly helpful. But one time in 10, you'll think, wow, they nailed it. That was so great. But again, it's about intentional.
0: Right.
1: Intentionally, actively mm-hmm. digesting. All receiving of information is active. There's always an interpretation. Uh, that's why you know I, I struggle a little bit when people describe any kind of spiritual path And they say that the meaning of the words is absolute. And I'm thinking, but but words are never absolute. The whole concept of language is that it's a set of approximations that have specific meanings to the person receiving the language. So how can it ever be absolute? It's always an approximation. Existence is an approximation. Our perception of reality itself is an approximation. So how can you say that the meaning is absolute? It can't be. Um, but what they really mean is they have an interpretation that they are happy with, that they believe is accurate. And people often confuse, and this goes back to your question, I suppose, people very often mm. con- confuse subjective experience with objective truth. We are, that's part of, <laughs> it keeps us sane. If we didn't do it, we would go mad. Because right now, mm. you and I are in different rooms, we're apart, it's, it's a pandemic, we're a lockdown. We are not taking in (laughs) 999.999, where's my numbers? There's like a millionth of one part of the information that's coming into our brains right now that we're perceiving. The objects in the room around us, the noises, the history, the structure, the implications, the symbolism. There's so much going on right now that we're not consciously perceiving in order to stay sane. And with that tiny sliver of what remains of the information coming into our heads. We're forming all kinds of opinions about what's (laughs) happening around us and what reality is and what's important and what's not and what our priorities should be and who we are and what we're not. All of this stuff is fabricated with a tiny amount of information. And it's good that it works that way, but it's bad when we forget that it works that way. And so I think asking the right questions is really about honesty, it's about truth, it's about a willingness to ask anything and to not yield to the concept of the thought police. You should be able to think anything at all whenever you want. Ask any question and, and to do so safely. You should be able to ask anything at all and not feel that there's any danger that you're going to go mad or someone's going to hurt you or you're going to be judged for it. Certainly within the confines of your own mind. Ask any question and see where it leads you
0: a lovely thought to finish with finding an openness with the self and the mind by listening more deeply and like you said listening to the self and other and questioning how the listener hears and perceives on that note we encourage you to listen and to take a moment to look through our colorful collection of talks for our music string for more information check out our website creativityconference.is but from us at the creativity conference we send you peace And look forward to sharing our wonderful speakers with the world. Thank you.